new president means a new cabinet, and that's going to have an effect on the music business. And do you really know why music moves us? Because there's a team of French neuroscientists that are looking into this matter. We have a lot to talk about. Stick around. Hello there, welcome to Music Industry Cities Tuesday Talkies, where we discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me today, my co-host Sam Tall and the Duke. If there's something you'd like to chime in about, hey, join us in the chat. Don't be shy, it's okay, or you can leave a comment below. So, uh, coming up on today's show, let's see, uh, a music industry wish list for the incoming Biden administration. Sam's got, Sam's got his uh, Christmas list all set and ready to go. And also a brain study brings us closer to understanding why music moves us. So Dave's got his perspective on that. We have a lot to cover, let's get to it. After the longest week ever, we have a new president-elect. And with that comes a cabinet, and with that, comes a plethora of issues they will need to overcome. COVID, restarting the economy, regaining international trust are just among the few. How well this new cabinet and Congress reacts will have an effect on the music industry. And here with his 2021 POTUS, POTUS wish list is Sam Tall. Sam, how you doing? Um, I'm doing good, Peter. How are you? Good, good. good. You survived the longest week ever. Uh, I watched more news in the past week than I think I have all year. I've done a good job of kind of staying away from it, but you mm -hmm. just can't not watch like with your fingers crossed, kind of like hoping something good is going to happen. And every day is another letdown of just like, we'll find out tomorrow. Exactly. And, and you know, not that it matters so much, but Alaska, what's taking Alaska so long? They're only like 50%, uh, you know, counted. <laughs> well, see the way that Alaska votes is, uh, you strap your ballot to a moose and then you have to send your moose on its way. So they're waiting for the the mooses, the meese, the mooses, the the moose to get there. Yeah, the mooses. Yeah. That's a let's let's look that one up. If anybody knows what the plural of moose is? You know, put that in the comments below. Um, yeah. So there, it's really interesting, and also the timing of an article that just came out uh, that you sent over, and that was about you know you know with with hypnosis with downtown with, with with all these companies that have been on a shopping spree but next year if this goes through biden's talking about these uh different tax brackets and is that going to be a push to the end of the year to buy this up before you have to start paying out these capital gains taxes so i'm going to let you ride with this all right take sure. it away that's a, it's a great handoff there because the, the number one thing I think a lot of people are going to immediately start to think about is is tax preparation for what a, a democratic government might want to implement from a tax strategy, which is generally higher taxes. Now, I, I personally, I have my views on taxes higher, lower, social uh, investments, things like that. I lived in New York and I live in Los Angeles. You can draw your own conclusions. However, uh, for those who are in this sort of upper tax bracket, and we did see a couple rogue, uh, you know, upper tax bracket artists come out in favor of Donald Trump because they know that it's going to have a financial impact on them. And so if we're talking about a Biden administration that is keen to increase income tax uh, on those earning $400,000 or more, well, if you shift your income from uh, royalty income to actually uh, sale of assets, 
you can derive capital gains. You can do that now before that even goes up uh, sometime in the next four years. So there's a sort of a push uh, here in the 11th hour. Um, now that we know what's coming, I think we're going to see a lot more of that activity. But uh, I think with that activity comes probably just more capital investment in general. So I think it's actually going to end up being a pretty good time for independent artists with their own catalogs they still own, uh, who aren't necessarily so sensitive to tax uh, issues like that, but really just want the working capital and, and want to maybe uh, diversify their assets away from just their intellectual property. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm looking out for, especially as I work with a lot of independent musicians, um, things on YouTube where it's a little bit of a different game, but there's plenty of passive revenue there. So I'm going to be watching that and seeing kind of where the investor market heats up with that. But the flip side of, uh, of the music is, of course, away from the uh, recording and publishing rights, but live music. Right. And so uh, over the weekend, we saw the uh, Biden-Harris transition team release their plan for how they're going to address COVID-19 uh, and, and kind of what the uh, plan is there, especially with listening to scientists. It's super important that that occurs and we can kind of maybe hopefully get out of this sooner. We also saw that Pfizer has a, a promising uh, potential vaccine that they're testing. Um, Live Nation stock shot through the roof on that news, uh, as you might expect. But uh, if we're looking at that information, we can suggest that it's probably not going to become in wide distribution, at least until the middle of next year. So a lot more testing, a lot more approvals, a lot more uh, distribution and production that has to ramp up. There are other vaccine uh, options coming from around the world as well. So probably sometime in the middle of next year. But that means that we're not really going to get live shows, festivals, conferences, things like that. The sort of norm of the music business uh, probably until the end of next year, Q3, the earliest Q4, more likely even 2022. Um, you know, there's all kinds of testing going on about how we can safely reopen with limited capacity. I just don't think it's economically as feasible as people start to think it is. It's kind of grasping at straws there. Um, every time there's a high profile live stream concert that sells a buttload of tickets, it kind of like makes people hopeful, but that's survivorship bias. So the same reason why not everybody is going to start a uh, startup, a tech company in their dorm room, like Mark Zuckerberg and become a multi-billionaire. It's not a thing that happens generally. It's a rare case. So those are like the two main things that I'm really kind of looking out for. And lastly, maybe kind of a wish listy thing, um, is how a cabinet might impact investments in the arts. Um, both private and public sector things, we're talking about whether there is uh, commerce and trade and treasury and justice that are going to crack down antitrust things that are going to look at social media as you know a potential danger to the public and break up those companies, which has been talked about a lot as a pro progressive agenda item. Um, things like uh, Apple's App Store uh, tax. They're sort of like gatekeeping that they're doing with the 30%. That's obviously in the courts in Europe right now, and that could potentially happen anytime in the next six to 12 months that we find a decision on that front. Spotify is going to have something to say about that. Google's got something to say about that. Fortnite, we know, is kind of like the key uh, plaintiff in this, in this argument. And I think that's going to have a big impact on how much money is available. Uh, not sure quite what happened there. Sam, let's get you back over here. Sam. Hey. About that. I think my, my, my usual uh, USB, I've got to figure out what's going on there. Um, what, I, what I really want to you know, get to the point across is, is with a difference of political philosophy comes a difference of appreciation of different things like social services. In San Francisco, we're seeing an experiment with universal basic income uh, for artists in hopes that that kind of fosters uh, their ability to create new, new material without having to work a day job. We used to see this in New York with artist housing, artist uh, you know, lofts and things like that. It's sort of an investment strategy in building an arts culture that then builds other commercial sectors of a city's life. So 
I think it's a worthwhile investment. I don't think it's just kind of like, a, oh, well, we have to invest in the arts because it's humanity. It, it's really also a commercial strategy. You know, arts, whether it's visual art, music art, performance art, brings a lot of investment and also just a lot of, you know, uh, philanthropic activity, entertainment, livelihood, a lot of great benefits to that being part of a, a, a sort of a governance strategy. So I think we'll see more of that coming through uh, a liberal and even progressive government that we've seen in the last four years. So, and, you know, Republican, Democrat, anytime like, you know, the, the House, the Senate, I mean, it's, that's still up in the air. I mean, that could tie and you have Harris as the tiebreaker. I mean, this is this is really going to be interesting uh, on so many levels. And what I'm actually looking for is basically it all comes down to COVID. OK, it all comes down to when does the vaccine come into place? When can we start traveling? Because here's the other side uh, is visas and international travel. And we know how international travel has been and especially dealing with visas for the last four years. So is that, and that goes back to that, that was a re, that's always been more of on the Republican side and I don't wanna to get too political here, but going back to Reagan, Reagan capped the number of musicians that were allowed in the country at a given time. And, but that was politics. That was basically due to Russia. Didn't want any Russians sneaking it. Like, so I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but that's going to be really interesting because it's like one, one international travel can start again. Right now, I, we still can't go into Canada. Okay. Right. So, so there's a lot that it comes down to that, but I, I, you, you made some great points there and, you know, and the taxes and everything and, you know, just see what good, what gets passed through the house, the Senate and things like that. So it's going to be really interesting. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. You know, fantastic. Good to see you back over here. So uh, we now turn our focus to an article posted by New Atlas about a study from a team of French neuroscientists that's offering new insights into how music listening can provoke strong sensations of pleasure. Thibault Chabin, an author on the study said, what is most intriguing is that music seems to have no biological benefit to us. However, the implication of dopamine and of the reward system in processing of musical pleasure suggests an ancestral function for music. And with here with his perspective on the matter, we check in with the Duke. Dave, how are you? Good. You know, so, so really what, one interesting thing about like with that article, it went on to add ancestral function. It's certainly mysterious sounding. And he also said that other behaviors trigger similar reward pathways in the brain are more fundamentally related to activities that we clearly need to survive. But listening to music is certainly not the same as eating or mating. But, you know, some can say it's a precursor to it. So what what's your thoughts on this? Man, I just think music is um, it's just one of the most important things in, in life. You know, um, we're all vibrating, you know, everything around us is vibrating and music is vibration. And uh, there was one quote that said that if aliens came down, I don't know who said this, but if aliens came down, musicians would be the first people that they talk to. And I, and I really feel that like math and music, it's just like, it's so ingrained and yes, it's not food, right? So if like the world ends and like we all are in, in some cave, but I, if I'm in that cave, I'm banging on, I'm banging on the cave wall, I'm starting to beat straight away just the way I did it back in uh, public school on the, you know, the lunchroom desk. But mu music is so important. And I don't know if you guys saw the, um, the lady with the Alzheimer's, the ballerina with the Alzheimer's that's going viral right now. But man, that had tears in my eyes. You know what I mean? About just like, you know, her son or whoever that is puts me, put music on her. And, you know, Alzheimer's affects the brain uh, so people can't remember things. But 
you know, he puts the music on her and like for a second she doesn't know what's going on, but then all of a sudden like, bam, that Swan Lake hits and then she just starts doing all her old moves and it was just like, man, like there's very little, uh, there's there's not many things as powerful as music and um, it's just so important that we understand and uh, protect that music and also the last thing is about, I, I'm sure you guys can relate to this, but when the first time you heard music and you got those goosebumps, you know, if you can always remember that goosebump moment and just hold on to that moment. That is the most purest moment that there ever was. You know, I don't get goosebumps anymore. I don't know when I stopped getting them, but I will always remember getting them and how important that feeling felt to me. First listening to, you know, Nirvana or Led Zeppelin or, you know, Robert Johnson or Pearl Jam or any of the music, Enough's Enough, you know, bands that people maybe it's not so big, but just like when I heard it, Red Hot Chili Peppers or whatever it is, Portishead, I just was like, man, this is it. You know, like there's not much better than this in the world. And whatever that music is for you, hold on to that feeling, you know. And so it's important that we talk about this on the music industry, uh, you know, podcast or, you know, it's important that we talk about it. So that's how I feel. Music, very important. Rock and roll. Yes. Right on. I mean, it's, it, it's a mood. If you're sad, you can put on a depressing song. You could, you can, or put on a happy song or something to just change that mood. But I mean, yeah, I'm with you. There's so many times that you just, and it's not even like maybe even the entire song. It's just like that one part where a singer just like gives it his all. And it's like all of a sudden, like the hair sticking up on your arm. It's like, yeah, that's what it's about. That's, that's the feeling. And, you know, how does that trigger? I mean, that's like, you know, that, that's the different drug. That's the different, like, you know, finishing a marathon or doing something unexpected or completely different. Jump, jumping in, jumping 30 feet into, a, a, you know, um, like the, the water or something like that. Something that is adrenaline rushing, but yet it's not like over pumping. It's just like this great feeling. So, uh, Dave, speaking of great feelings, I know you were just talking about a great feeling you had. Uh, tell us about something that had to do with the Foo Fighters. Yeah, so the Foo Fighters were just on Saturday Night Live, and the drummer Taylor Hawkins was wearing a T-shirt by my buddy Dave Navarro. Um, he's Dave Navarro started a clothing line called Dual Diagnosis. I wanted to just put people onto that, and I actually made the first shirt of that uh, clothing company with Dave in my studio in Brooklyn. So I'm just really proud of Dave for like you know going into fashion. And when I saw it on Saturday Night Live, I said, "Man, like wow, like." Look how much a little idea that we, you know, like I, I, I've had the littlest part of it, but just to see it in 2018 and now I see it on Saturday Night Live, I said, wow, man. So I just wanted to put people onto like, you know, what Dave's doing with the clothing realm. And, you know, I'm just super proud. And I'm also super proud of you, Peter, because this is also uh, very uh, similar to what you what you did when you called me up and you say, yo, man, I want to do this show. And now look at it. We got the back, the backgrounds. We got Sam Tall. It's all lining up, man. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, I, I appreciate that, man. And that, that is so fantastic. And, and Navarro, great musician, great person and stuff. Yeah. And, and also go and also send me that link because I'm going to put that in the show notes below. So everybody take a look down below. Uh, yeah, going back, you know, what just also popped in my head is when you're talking about the aliens and music, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, that's that's how they communicated. And that's why when they send out into Voyager and everything, they add music. 
and different, you know, different languages and music becomes that international language and universal language. So Dave, thank you so much. And I, I appreciate you being part of this and, you know, and, and Sam, and, and it's fantastic. You know, we, we got so much to, more to talk about. So, but thanks to you. Uh, we're going to move on and that's going to be it for today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you want to continue the conversation, leave a comment below. And if you find this interesting, hit that subscribe button, ring the notification bell, the like, heart, whatever platform you're on, whatever that button is. If you feel like doing it, let's do it. And speaking of shows, we are starting a new one tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. It's Wednesday Industry News. It's a roundup of items we feel are important and you should too. You can also find us at musicindustrycity.com and on your preferred podcast player. Thank you again to my co-host, Sam and the Duke. Have a rocking day. Peace.